Hey, can you stand to your feet? I'm going to read the Word of God to you. You're going to join me with this in just honor of God's Word. Uh, we're starting a series, Move, today, and today's message is called Moving On Up. You remember that, uh, some of you old guard, remember this, moving on up to the east side. Remember that? Nobody remembers that. All the young people don't even know. Deluxe apartment in the sky. All right, I got to pray in a second. But anyway, got to get back spiritual. Matthew chapter 17, verse 20. Here's what it says to you and me. Because we're not taking God seriously, said Jesus, the simple truth is that if you had a mere kernel of faith, a poppy seed, you could tell this mountain move. Everybody say move. move. And it would move. There's nothing you wouldn't be able to tackle. With every head bowed, every eye closed. Father, in Jesus' name, I pray that you would activate this message, Lord, inside the hearts of men and women in this room. Open up our hearts not to receive information, but to be open truly open to transformation. Lord, I hit pause right there and I just say to the, to the men and women, boys and girls in this room, are you, are you ready for the Holy Spirit to speak to you? Maybe you just need to just say yes to God in the middle of that prayer. Yes, God, speak to me. Yes, God, speak to me. I pray, Lord God, that they would see that there's a connection between our faith and movement and, and just use this word and change this from the inside out. In Jesus' name, and everybody said amen and amen. You may be seated. It's interesting that verse talks about, you could say to this mountain, move and it would move. But in the beginning it says, Jesus kind of exhorts us, you're not taking God serious enough. So sometimes we're not taking our faith as serious as we should. And I think sometimes we don't see uh, faith right. And, and it sets us up for some problems. Because of that, then we say things like this. If that's so true, we don't consciously do it because we're in church. We wouldn't want to not be, you know, for the team. But we're saying if, if, if that's true, that verse that we just read, how come this mountain in my life, how come this situation in my life, how come this problem doesn't have an answer, how come this situation doesn't have a solution, how come this mountain didn't get out of the way, why, why is that? And I want to try to unpack that over the next kind of few hours that you're with me here this afternoon, just kidding. Um, but I'll, I'll preface it with just a, like a story, I, I, was, I travel a little bit. And, and some of you guys do too. And I was, uh, I was in the airport and I was going into one of the public restrooms in the airport, one of my least favorite places to, to go. And, uh, but you got to, you know, you got to go now and then, right, everybody? Are you guys okay out there? Everybody's kind of like, I, I, I'm just making sure everybody's alive. Is everybody alive? You know, breathe. <laughs> um, okay. Um, and so I, I go into the bathroom. And uh, when you go to the bathroom, I'm going to break you up one way or the other. You know, you, you kind of know what's going on in there. You know what I'm saying, everybody? Like, you're either doing number one or number two, all right? And then and, uh, uh, somebody's like, what's number two? Uh, what's number one? You guys never knew that? Nobody explained that to you? You can talk to my grandson about that, okay? My grandson will tell you, number one, Poppy's pee-pee, and number two is poo-poo, okay? <laughs> Thanks, Zion. Thanks for the information, okay? But what's really crazy about being in the, the restrooms here is, and what bothers me tremendously is that when people come out of the restroom, they, 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 don't, they don't wash their hands. Does anybody get upset about that besides me? I'm just like, how could you go in there, you know, the German-infested, yeah, and then come out, and then you all see them, like, touching stuff, you know, and eating auntie's pretzels, and, you know, you're just, anyway, it's, getting, it's going down. i got to bring it back up, right? <clears throat> But, uh, you know, and then they want to shake your hand. Okay, all right, here's the elbow, bro. Um, but what's amazing is when, when you are in the bathroom, one of the things that I always love about 
some of these bigger, bigger bathrooms is you walk into uh, the bathroom, the lights come on. Uh, you, you, you go over to the sink, and, and by the way, those people that do decide to wash their hands, it's interesting how many don't use soap. It's like water. I'm, I'm, I'm looking at it, I'm like, bro, it's not holy water. You got to get the soap thing, right? But you, but you put your hand under the water, and the water comes on. And you put your hand under the, the dispenser, and, the, and, and the, the soap dispenser, and the soap dispenser comes on. Oh, my favorite one is you go over to the paper towel, and it's like, wax on, wax off. And the paper towel come down. You know what I'm talking about? Like, there's just, there's just something that probably one of the greatest creations that maybe we've ever seen is the motion detector. The motion detector. And, and I love how motion detectors activate when you move. You move into an environment, it's activated. You come under something with your hand, it's activated. You put your hands and you move them around. You move and you move and the water comes. And you go over to the paper towel and it moves because you moved. Are you with me, everybody? And what I want you to understand today is as we begin this series, there are some things that you're believing for, some things that you aspire to, some things that I'm believing God's going to do this and he's going to do that. And it's only activated by your motion. You have to move. So here's our big idea if you're taking notes. And if you're not taking notes, start taking notes, okay? But your miracle is connected to your movement. Your miracle is connected to your movement. A lot of times you're believing for things and you're just sitting on your blessed assurance. You're, you're, you're stationary. You're static. You're stagnant. And it's because you see faith sometimes wrong. Faith is not intellectual assent. It's just not the mere transmission of information from one brain uh, to another. F faith is movement. The Bible says that. It says faith without action is it's dead. It's dead. But I actually think it starts with a posture, a disposition, an attitude, even before it starts with with, with movement, like, have you ever, how many parents in the room? Parents, raise your hand if you're a parent. Okay, so have, you know the kids when they, your kids when they come to you with like a, a, an appeal, we'll call it an appeal. It's really like an annoying request. You know, dad, 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 dad. You know what I mean? They, they do that. Or they want to they like, you know, get something from you. And so you know you do this. I, I just, you probably has an, you haven't identified it like this. But have you ever done like the lean back posture, you know, where, where you're like, you're, like, you're kind of like, you're there, but you're not there, right? You're, you're disinterested. You kind of have some streamlined, nonverbal, maybe even a little bit of scowl. Like, you're leaning back. That's the opposite posture of faith. Faith leans in to the situation. Faith is moving forward, everybody. Faith is not stepping back. Faith is, is stepping up, everybody. Faith has not a, you know, what's the least I can do? It's what's the, what's the, what do you want me to do? What's the most that I can do? It's not just a posture, though. It's also an action. Everybody say action. A-C-T-I-O-N, action, action. We want action. That's God's cheer in heaven is is A-C-T-I-O-N, is, is action. In Hebrews chapter 11, it's called the hall of faith. It's called that, it's like the hall of, of justice, you know, and if you like the, uh, the super friends or, or your superheroes, there's, these, there's this collection of great heroes in Hebrews chapter 11, and every time uh, there is a uh, verse about one of these people, it always starts with by faith, and then it proceeds to tell what they did. 
Not just by faith, and that's it. It's by faith, and then there was an action that followed that. One of the people it talks about is, is, recon, is recognized uh, early in, in the Bible is, is Abel. You know, Adam and Eve had two sons, and, and Cain and Abel. And both of them, the Bible says, brought offerings to the Lord. One was acceptable, one was not. But they both brought offerings. We're going to talk about that later on. Why was one acceptable? And the Bible actually says in Hebrews 11, because it was a better sacrifice. Are you with me, everybody? It talks about Abraham. By faith, Abraham. By faith, Enoch. And so on and so on. And it always followed up with, here's the person. They, they, this is what they did. This was their action. This was their, this was their movement. Faith is the, the Bible says, substance of things hoped for. The evidence of things not what? Not seen. Evidence according to the law is something that convicts or exonerates you. Evidence. Evidence is something that you can, you can witness it. It is observable. Faith is evidence. Faith is observable. Faith is something you can see. If somebody says that person's a person of faith, it's because they can see that they are, in fact, a person of faith. Are you with me, everybody? It's got, it's got eyewitnesses to it, as it were. So when God said to Abraham early in the book of Genesis, he said, Abraham, I'm going to make a great nation out of you. At that time, Abraham was an old man. Like, he's like in, I'm like, you know, two days to retirement mode. I don't have any kids. And God said, I'm going to make a great nation out of you. And, of course, we know the end result is the nation of Israel came out of him. And, and we know that the promise of God was that your offspring would be as great as the sands on the seashore and the stars in the sky. Uh, but it started with this word from God that God spoke over Abraham. But we sometimes forget what happens in the middle. In the middle, there was movement. Everybody say movement. movement. So God, in a sense, says, I'm going to do this. But, Abraham, first, you have to move. You're going to have to pick up your network, your net worth, your relationships, your friends, your family, in, in, in a figurative sense. Get on a bus, and you're going to have to go. You're going to have to move out. You're going to have to go to a place you don't know, to a place, uh, and, and as you go, I will show. You're going to go. I'm going to say that again because that sounded pretty good. You're going to go to a place you don't know as you go. Then I'll show you where it is you're supposed to go. And Abraham did that. And we recognize that we see and we call that faith. But we don't really unravel that. In other words, personalize this. I'll do it for me and you can do it for you. If God spoke to you and he said, I want you to do something, we would always look for something specific for us to, for, for us to do that he's asking us. Sometimes he doesn't operate like that. In other words, if God said... Uh, Derek, I want you to plant a campus uh, in Marlboro, which in Jesus' name I will one day. If he said that, come on somebody, if he said that, I'd be like, yes sir, we're going to go do that. But sometimes God will say something to you, and this is what he really said, this is what he, he really did this with Abraham, but I'll contextualize it for me. What if God said, Derek, I want you to go and plant a campus? And I want you to get the resources, and I want you to get your family, and I want you to get you the leaders, and I want you to get on a bus, and I want you to get on Mass Pike and just start driving. Wow. You guys see the, the parallel? Yes. That's what he did with Abraham. Yes. It's the same thing. What if I say, God, where, where are we going? Uh, never mind that. <laughs> uh, I'll show you. When are you going to show me? Uh, just trust me. Just trust me right now. 
And even along the way, Abraham had some more tests. Are you with me, everybody? And we look at that and say, wow, that's faith. Because we get to see on the other side of the situation. I wrote this revelation that I had a few days ago about this. It's small, but maybe it'll pop for you. You see, in foresight, things seem foolish. In hindsight, it seems like faith. In foresight, it's foolish. In hindsight, it's faith. On the front side of it, it looks a little crazy nuts. On the back side of it, we say, wow, that was faith, Abraham. Can you imagine the family meeting that Abraham had before he left the land that he was familiar with, the resources, the job, the relationships. He's got kids. they got boyfriends and girlfriends. They're going to schools. They, they're doing this. They have the house. They, they, they built the dream porch. They, they got to go to this particular place on vacations. And all of a sudden, Abraham calls a family meeting and says, hey, everybody, here's the deal. God spoke to me that he's going to build a nation out of me and out of us and out of our offspring. So we got to go. And so they're like, oh, wow, where are we going? I'm not sure exactly, but we're all going to get in the car. That's all. I want you to get in the minivan, and then we're going to get on Mass Pike, and he's going to show us as we go. How many know that everybody on that side of it would have been like, Dad's lost his mind. He's lost his love and mind. He's, he's, he's foolish. He's not in faith. But we get to see the evidence of that now. We get to see the results, the outcomes, and we're like, that is a man of faith. In fact, we call him the father of our faith, everybody. So sometimes you and I maybe just think about it, are missing one of the greatest adventures of faith because we're looking at something through the wrong lens. We're looking at it through foresight. We're not looking at it through the eyes of faith, everybody. And there's one particular area that I want to talk about that in my experience seems to be one of two of the hard, in my experience, two hardest areas for people to move, for people to go up to another level, and that's with your giving. I'll let it sit in this Catholic church for a second. It's amazing because as soon as you say that, people's cheeks pitch. Not these cheeks. All right? And I, and I get it. And I get it. I get it. I get it. Some of you have been somewhere where someone like me has coerced, manipulated, pushed, pressured, I get it. And I just want to say quickly so I can move on. I'm sorry that's happened. But I want to say carefully but with, a, with an assertive tone, that's not the case here. And that is not what's happening here. I just want you to know that this, is, this, is, uh, this, this heart of this, I'm not under pressure. I, I, I honestly, there, there are people here that are, this church is very generous. This, the, bills are, the bills are paid. Lights are going to continue to be on. We're going to be able to do the things that God wants us to do. This isn't, this isn't for me. I'm not trying to get some money so I can go on a trip. There's no tricks, no, no trinkets, no, no, no TV scams, none of that. There's none of that going on. I understand that's happened. But that's not what's going on here. But it, there's, there's, a, there's, a, there's scripture that if I don't address it, I'm being irresponsible. Because one out of ten scriptures in the Bible deal with your resources. And Jesus talked about it a lot, so I think it has something to do with your spiritual journey. We're take, our purpose statement is to take everybody on a life-changing spiritual journey, and if we're going to have a life-changing spiritual journey, you're going to have to talk about resources. You're going to have to talk about our funds. Are you with me, everybody? Somebody's like, I knew it. I came. Ah, first time I come, and they talk about money. I knew it. Maybe, listen, can I flip the script on you? If it's the first time you came in a long time, maybe God knew it. 
And so maybe he wanted to say something because it's the, probably one of the most pivotal things that could bring change. And he wanted somebody like me to say it in a way that maybe you haven't heard it before under the, under the anointing of God. Are you with me, everybody? So I want to talk about, for those that are, you know, not, if, if, you're, if you're new and you've, you've never been here before, this isn't for you, okay? This is for people that consider connect their, their spiritual family, their home, or whatever. You that are new, you, you just get to watch everybody be a little nervous and a little edgy, okay? So you can just watch them and observe them, okay? So I want to talk to you about three kind of levels of giving that will help you move forward. Here's the first one. The first one is spontaneous giving. Spontaneous giving is need-based giving. You see a need, you want to meet it. If there's any, like, compassion in your heart, if there, and I believe people are, are actually inherently generous who are born again. When you were born, naturally, you were born selfish, you came into the world, you're like, mine, mine, mine. It's like one of the first ten words a kid learns. <laughs> you don't have to train that into them. It is just innate, right? When you get born again, you, you, you receive, if you're truly born again, you receive a new nature in Christ Jesus. And with that new nature, you adopt the nature of God, and the nature of God is to give. Okay? For God so loved the world, he, he gave. He gave his best. He gave his one and only son. It was his first fruits offering for the world. He gave his son, okay? Now, if you don't express that generosity, it's because of different things. It could be because your priorities are out of whack. It could be because of self-control issues. It could be you're controlled by money. You're in bondage to money. You might be in debt. You might be slave to the lender, to the borrower. You, 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 might, have, you might have the spirit of mammon on you. So there's different reasons why sometimes that generosity is not being expressed. But underneath some of those um, controls, restrictions is a generous nature from God, okay? And so what happens from time to time is you see things and you want to do something about it. Proverbs 3.27 says, Do not withhold good from those to whom it is due when it's in your power to act. Do not say to that person, come back tomorrow and I'll give it to you when you already have it with you right now. I love how it says it in the message. Proverbs 3.27 says, Never walk away from someone who deserves help. Your hand is God's hand for that person. Don't tell your neighbor, maybe some other time or try me tomorrow when the money is right in your pocket. I was over near the TC campus not too long ago. Uh, my son introduced me to this place called Moe's. Shout out to Moe's, okay? And I was going to get something to eat, and uh, all the house just got excited. Like, oh, man, I feel, that's not the anointing, that's your stomach. Um, but I, I went to Moe's, got something to eat, and when I left, I was getting ready to go back roads to go home, and I saw this lady over in the corner she had about a five-year-old kid with her and a baby in tow with a sign basically needing food, needing resources. And I was just immediately, I was in the wrong lane, I was, and, and so I drove, I had to drive to the left, and I just knew I had to turn around and go back. That, that's what spontaneous giving looks like. So I turned around, I went back, I, I, uh, I can't help myself because I'm a, I'm, I'm a pastor, and so I didn't want to just band-aid the situation. So she's going to get a little sermon. If you want me to bless you, I'm about to give you a sermon, everybody. So all these cars are watching, and I'm standing there, and, and I'm preaching the gospel to her a little bit. And I'm just saying, hey, you need a church family. If you want this problem to go away, if you want this thing to be cured, it's going to be happening in the context of family. Life change happens in the context of relationships. I'm a pastor. I'd love you to come check out. Actually, there's a church right across the street that we have right here at the theater. You should come here on Sunday. I gave her our, kind of our come and see card, go to our church. And then I gave her all the money. I had 60 bucks in my wallet. I gave her 60 bucks. And, and, and I moved on. That's what spontaneous giving looks like. If it's in your power to do good, you, you should do good. 
you should try to do good. You should do your best. You saw, you saw a video and, and you were compelled in that moment uh, to do something. You heard about a person who uh, couldn't pay their rent and, and you had some surplus where you could do it. You saw somebody who was sick and, and you brought groceries by and you saw somebody that had a, a big need and you couldn't meet it all but you participated in the GoFundMe. That's all good. That's all spontaneous giving but there's another level. Everybody say another level. Turn to your neighbor and say, get ready to go to another level, okay? Here we go, all right? So here's another one, all right? The next level is strategic giving. Everybody say strategic. Spontaneous strategic. This is where your giving is predetermined, preplanned. This is a person who values, who has a value for giving. If you're going to value something, you have to plan for that something. You can't say you value giving and not plan for it, predetermined to do it. This, this, you, if, if you value marriage, you're going to plan to be successful in your marriage. You're going to have to invest in your marriage. You're going to have to spend time together. You're going to have to have regular talks. You're going to have to go on dates and walks. And you've got to invest in that if you want your marriage to work. Are you with me, everybody? You can't just, like my father-in-law used to say, Blonde, I told you I loved you, and if I change my mind, I'll let you know. That doesn't work like that, everybody. Needs investment, needs planning, right, to be successful. It's the same way with if you, you buy a house, you get a house, you have to continue to plan to pay the rent. Go to work, prepare, plan, pay the mortgage, pay the rent, because if you don't, you're going to be living in your car, right? You got to plan for it. Whatever you, whatever you value, you plan for. That's what it means to be uh, strategic. And this value based kind of giving is saying, really, to God, I want to be a generous person. And since I want to be a generous person, I have to plan for it. I have to prepare for that. Strategic giving is, is basically saying, because God was so generous to me, I want to be generous to other people. This is one of those, now some people, I think we all have a responsibility in this lane, uh, this strategic lane, but I, I, I do think that this is something you can grow in. You can become, this is like a muscle as you exercise, you can become better at. But this, this kind of giving right here is not somebody arm wrestled me. Somebody was twisting my arm. Somebody created a mood and, 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 and the music and the ambiance and the, and the environment and, and, and that story. And now tears are coming out of my eyes. And, and before you know it, I'm Apple paying the world. And, 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 and I'm Venmoing. It's gone ablaze. And, and I'm just letting everybody just take care. No, no, no. That's not what this is. This is strategic giving. And strategic giving through God's eyes is exercised through one word that I want you all to say, and that is the tithe. Everybody say the tithe. Somebody had a hard time. Like you can't even say the word. Scares you to say the tithe. Leviticus chapter 27 says this. Verse 30 says, this is what God calls us to. A tithe of everything from the land. That's, that's how they got their income. Whether grain from the soil or fruit from the trees. Look at this. There's two key words here. Belongs to the Lord. It's holy to the Lord. So I want, I want to try to break this down for you. And then I'm going to go on to number three. Are you guys okay out there? Everybody okay? Poke your neighbor say, are you okay? You okay? You're doing all right? You seem a little flush. You seem a little flush. Okay. So the tithe means one-tenth. The tenth. Tithe means a tenth. This is not a theological word. This is a mathematical word. This is God's system so that everybody in his kingdom can participate and invite God into our situation with equal sacrifice. 
proportionate to what our resources are. Are you with me, everybody? So the 10th just simply equalizes my salary is bigger than Devin's salary, but we're both equally contributing to the kingdom by tithing. Are you with me? So my faith is being exercised proportionate and similar to his faith if we're both practicing that. So it's God's system for taking everybody up a level. It's not about amounts. Okay, it's about equal opportunity and equal sacrifice. Are you with me? And so he says, I want you to give a tenth of everything. And so we see that. Maybe that comes pretty easy to you. But what you don't see is these two other key words. It says in the Bible, it belongs to the Lord. So it's very clear in the scripture that the tithe is not yours, it's his. It's not yours, it's his. Everybody say it's his, not mine. Sometimes it's good just to confess that. Okay, just to confess. In other words, this is a big deal to God. And so, and so let me, we, have, we use words, and I was just coaching uh, some of our pastors in training and some other pastors outside in my network. And I was basically saying that we got to use very specific language because when you talk about the tithe, you're not giving the tithe. You're returning the tithe. You're returning it because it's his. It's not mine. So if, if, if I said, Whitney, I, I need, can you, mom's gone. Can you give me a ride to the airport I'll let you use my car, and when I'm gone, you can drive it. First of all, she'd pass out. Second, after she got up off the floor, realizing Petey's going to use his car. Um, that the, the second piece is when I came back from my trip, she came to pick me up. If she said to me, here, Petey, I'm giving, here, I'm giving you your car back, is that accurate? No. It's not accurate. She's returning my car because it's my car. Are you with me, everybody? See, that's how God feels about the tithe. It belongs to him. It's not yours. And he wants us to give that back to him. The tithe belongs to him. And then, um, and, and by the way, so 10% belongs to God. And, and here's the thing. Most people might even, I'll ask people sometimes, do you believe in the tithe? They'll say, yeah, I believe in the tithe. So I've learned to ask, do you practice because there's a difference. People, so many people see faith as intellectual assent. It's like just intellectual agreement, not actually action. This whole series is about, in all areas of life, when it comes to our faith in Christ, actual action. Statistically, not in this church, but in America, only 3% of Christians tithe. This is God's system, and only 3% of the world actually do it. There's a lot of reason for that. Here's the second thing. He also says it's holy to the Lord. Everybody say Holy. That means it's sacred. Sacred means set apart. In other words, this is something you're not supposed to touch. You're not supposed to keep this. You're not supposed to use this for yourself. This belongs to God. It's holy. It's sacred to him. It's set apart. Now, how do we express that holiness with regards to this first, to, 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 to honoring God with our wealth? How do we do that? Look what Proverbs 3, 9 says. Is everybody with me right now? It says, it says, honor the Lord with your wealth. Now, he's going to reveal a secret or even an order to your resources that expresses to God it's sacred. Here's how you express it's sacred. Honor the Lord with your God with the first fruits. Everybody say first fruits. Of all your crops, then, and I like to put in there, only then, your barns will be filled to overflowing, your vats will brim over with new wine. So what God, how do you express it's sacred is because of what you do first with your resources. 
So some of you are out there and you've dabbled with or maybe even in nobility continue to tithe, but you're not seeing the blessing that Malachi talks about. And it's because you're not practicing giving it to God first. You're not making it holy by giving it to God first. Let me unpack this for you because some of you are being quiet right now because you're thinking about what I'm saying. And so it, the first thing, not the last thing, is what makes it holy. The first thing. This tenth thing isn't to be last, but to be first. First of all, ten represents testing. Testing. Anytime you see ten in the Bible, ten anything, it's, it's because there's a test. The ten commandments. It's a test to see will we follow and obey and stay committed to God. The ten commandments. It's not ten suggestions. It's ten commandments. So it's not ten if you agree with this in your head, but you don't actually do it in your life. It's the ten commandments. Is everybody with me? Everybody? You getting me right now? All right. And then you got like the ten lepers. What, what, what's the story of the ten lepers? That test there. They were, they were being tested. Is who's going to go back? Only one did. That's grateful for what God did. It was a test. The ten virgins. Only one basically was ready. Who's going to go back and express to God? Who out of ten people are ready? God's trying to teach us sometimes by testing us. And you're going to see the benefit of that in a little bit. So the tithe isn't a test if it's last. The tithe is a test if it's first. Because whatever is done first requires faith. You can't, you don't exercise faith when you do it last. You always exercise first a faith when you do it first. That's why Abel's offering was acceptable because it was what? Come on, say it again. It was what? It was first. So this isn't a fundraising thing, some kind of gimmick. This is God's system for blessing by saying this part belongs to God and this part for it to be holy should be done first before anything else. Let me express this to you with an illustration. Hard, cold cash. I got to give this back. It's my assistance. So don't, you don't ask for it. Okay? She'll be very mad at me. All right. So when you get paid, this, this will represent... Uh, this is 10 $10 bills, okay, $100. When you get paid, I hope you get paid more than this in a month. But anyway, let's just say figuratively this represents your income in a month. This is what you're not supposed to do with your money, but most people do every single week, every single month. You get paid, and you're like, okay, uh, first and foremost, of course i got to pay my rent. That's, a, that's pretty chunky now. So I'm going to put my rent out there. Um, what else? Oh, yeah, uh, groceries. <laughs> Bro's got to eat, and I like to eat. You know what I mean? If you're going to go to Moe's, you know, every couple days, you got you to gotta invest. You got to invest in yourself, everybody. <sighs> I saw a shoe drop on Instagram, and I just couldn't shake it off. You know what I mean? I, like, those shoes are fire. You know, and you do that. And then, and then a gym membership, a little bit more. You know, I got to take care of myself, the temple of the Holy Spirit. You know what I mean? <laughs> temple, temple. God says it's a temple. His word, you know what his word says. It's a temple. You got to take care of the body. All right. Of course, date night. <clears throat> Wife deserves a good date. <laughs> you know what I mean? Holla. Holla. Holla at your girl. Holla at your girl. All right. All right. And then, of course, we have uh, braces for the kids. Oh, God, love those. I just, I think they should be ugly the rest of their life. But anyway, I'm going to do it. <sighs> All right. Uh Another shoe drop. Yeah, I saw another shoe drop. You know, you got to get those J3s, baby. All right, now look at this. <laughs> I can tithe. Uh, look what's left. I can tithe. See, that's not how God sees it. So I'm trying to unpack this for you with a simple illustration. Let's flip the script. This is how God sees it. God says, ready? This 
is the tithe. The first one. Okay? Look, look. Here's the bottom. This is a tip. This is trust. This one right here. This is fear. This is opportunity. This is obligation. Uh, This is obedience. This is religion. I have to do this. I have to do this. This is faith. This is fear. Listen, everybody. This is first. And this is last. And God will never be last. He will always be first. One of the things you know about God is he can't accept anything that is not first. He is preeminent. He is the God above all things. He cannot accept second best. He only deserves your best. And your best is first. Are you with me, everybody? God says, will you give me the first fruits? And you know what I'll do if you give me the first fruits? I will, I will bless. I will make. He says this in Proverbs 3. I will make sure. I will double down. You can count on it. You can cash this check. You can take this truth to the bank. I will make sure your barns and your vats overflow. What I love about, what I love about the tithe is the tithe tells God you have my whole heart. The tithe helps me steward uh, my finances and manage my finances better. The tithe says... You don't, this, you don't own me. You own me. I'm a slave to Jesus Christ, and I'm not a slave to the dog. And I just got to pause right here. I, don't, I didn't say this in the first service. But you know what? In the end times, which we are in the last days of the last days, do you know if you don't make that first elevator when you go up to heaven, where Jesus comes back and he takes the church to be with him and you're raptured, and you happen to stay a little bit longer than that, do you know the way that the enemy is going to control the earth? With your money. And you can break the control of the enemy on your life right now, or you can wait to be controlled by your money later. I promise you, you have a chance by practicing the tithe now to break the control of the enemy later. Are you with me? That's worth the price of admission. I'm amazed how many people I counsel sometimes, and they'll have money problems. And the first question I'll ask, or very early, I'll say, hey, do you tithe? If they're having money problems, I ask this question, and literally 100% of the time they say no. And then I follow up and I say, I can't, you're, you love Jesus, right? You're Christ. Yes, absolutely. Born again. They tell me their story. I say, it's amazing to me, sir, ma'am, boy or girl, that you can trust God with your eternal soul, but not this piece of paper. Not this piece of paper. This thing can be very powerful if it's in the right hand with the right spirit. And if you want to put it in the right hand with the right spirit, you give it to God first. All he asks for is you return what belongs to him. You make it holy by giving it to God first. Is that good, everybody? Praise the Lord. Man, I am so over time. Let me read. <laughs> let me give you this last point in a second. But let me just read Malachi 3. I want you to see something inside that you maybe don't see. Because people unpack one portion of it. And I've never really taught this this way before. But in Malachi 6, 3, excuse me, verse 6. God is speaking to you and me. He's saying, hey, guys, I don't change. I'm the same yesterday, today, and forever. And then he goes on. He says, I want you. You're, you're far from me. I want you to return to me. So the context of this text that we think is all about money isn't all about money. It's all about relationship. He's saying, return to me. Why is he saying that? Because there's a disconnect between you and me. 
Are you getting this right now? I need you to get this. In the name of Jesus, I pray you reveal this to people. This is a revelation. He's, this, this text isn't about money as much as it is the money is how we correct it, but the correction is at a heart level. It's a relational breach. God is not after your money. He's after a relationship with you. And he's saying, I want you to come back to me, and the way you come back to me is by stopping robbing me. And how do you stop robbing me? By giving me back what's already mine. The tithe, and when you do that, I will rebuke the devourer, I will, I will protect, and I will pour, is what he says in that verse. I will protect whatever's yours, and I'll pour out whatever you need, but he's not, it's not about him getting your money. He's not up in heaven saying, oh, I saw that huge commission check you got this month. I hope they tithe on that because we've got some areas on the streets of gold that are not completed yet. And we need that money to be able to complete this project up here in heaven. He's not after your money. He's after relationship with you. He wants intimacy with you. And people that are givers always have fervent active relationship and intimacy with God. If your relationship with God's been going like this, the two most critical ways that you can accelerate it or take it up to a higher level is learning how to be led by the Holy Spirit, which is so hard for people because you got to bypass your mind, or to trust God with your resources, which means you got to let go of the control in your heart with money. That's what will take your faith and move it up to another level. Are you with me, everybody? And so here's the final uh, final truth is sacrificial giving. Sacrificial giving. Are you still with me, everybody? Because yeah. people say crazy things to me. Like, Pastor, you know, that, that's, yeah, that's all Old Testament. Old Testament. By the way, I just have to say, when people say that, they're never saying that because they're determined to be more generous. They're, they're saying a statement like that before we even get into what the Bible says because they're trying to figure out how to do the minimum. But if you read your Bibles, it's not just Old Testament. It's New Testament. Red letter edition, Matthew chapter 23, verse 23. Jesus himself said that we should tithe. Paul talks about the tithe in 1 Corinthians 16. And many of the verses I could get you, I, I could get you on, but I'm not here to get you. Well, pastor, I, I tithe my time. The Bible doesn't say that time is the tithe. The tithe is the tithe. And it's amazing how in our world today we keep redefining terms. <laughs> That's another message. But it applies to this too. Are you with me? So here's the thing about the next level. This, now, now this next part I'm talking to people who, who are tithers, who are um, strategic givers. Because there's a bunch of you, because this church is a very generous church. Here, I want to speak something to you. Because you love that last point. You're like, yeah, get them, pastor, get them. <laughs> oh, yeah, they need this really bad. You, know, rah, 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 rah. you need this next point really bad. Okay. Because there's a lot of people that when you become a tither, I've been a tither for 31 years, my wife and I. And I'm saying this, I'm saying this not in pride, I'm saying this in conviction. I'm not asking you to do something I don't do myself. And I believe in it with my whole heart. That's why I do it every single month. And I've seen God move so many times. But this is an area I have to be stretched in. Because actually, to be completely honest, tithing is easy for me and Stacy. It's just no-brainer. It's the first of the month. We set it up recurring. It's drawn right out of our, right out of our bank. We've just been doing it forever. It's easy. It's not a problem for us. So, but God doesn't want you to live at, like, the static level, the stagnant level. God always wants to take you to another level. So one of the ways he does that is through sacrificial giving. And, and David said it like this. I will, not, I will not offer offerings to the Lord that don't cost me anything. When is the last time, if you are a strategic giver, that you've done something that was sacrificial, that had, like, a little cost to it. I've had a look at some of our giving. We were just talking about this the other day, and I was just saying, baby, the legacy offering's coming up, and, and, and I don't want to, uh, 
I don't want to figure out how we're going to do it. Which is, which is, I think, a man's nature in particular. It's like, okay, I can get this from here. I can do that from there. I can do that. No, no, this is what God wants you to do. If, when you're a sacrificial giver, you're just saying, God, what would you have me do? You start there. You start with, God, what would you have me do? You don't look at your surplus and then decide what you're going to give. See, when people that are strategic in the giving, they're tithers, they become faithful in it, but they've lost being faith-filled. To be faith-filled means once in a while you got to get outside of the box. you got to have a little bit of Abraham faith. And you just got to say, God, where would you have me go? What would you have me do? How would you have me move? What would you have me give? That's what it means to be sacrificial. Sacrificial giving moves you up from strategic, excuse me, from strategic to sacrificial. It's another level. And next week we'll talk about how do we know if it's God. But I want to see you mature in that area. I want to see God stretch your faith. I want to see a blessing come upon you. You know, we've had this offering every year, once a year, and I unapologetically talk about it, and I will continue to do so because you, you, you may not know this because you're new here, but we, we don't pass a plate at all. The reason we don't do that is because people bring their tithe. People return to God what's already his, so I don't have to do that. It's a wonderful thing not to be under that kind of pressure, and people actually take the Bible at its word, see them blessed, see their lives blessed, see them survive COVID, see them survive all kinds of market crashes and issues and things time and time again, and you don't have to worry about it. So then I can preach the Bible unapologetically and without concern and with total conviction. But once a year, we take a sacrificial offering, and I want you to see it as not a business transaction, but as a form of worship. It will literally alter your heart if you can see it right. And, and I just want to say this as your pastor. <laughs> I don't know how to say it. Don't have a cold that day and stay homesick. <laughs> I think I'm just going to watch online on that day. <laughs> just be home for the day, you know. I think I, I, I can get just as much out of it that way. I, I'm challenging you. I'm challenging you. One time, when is the last time you've done sac something sacrificial in your faith? When is, the, when, is, when is the last time you actually literally talked to God and prayed about what would you have me do, not figure out how you can do it? Faith is movement. Faith is go, then you'll know, then I'll show you. Once in a while, what could happen if we did that? It's not about amounts for me. It's about everybody talking to God and just doing what he says on December 3rd. Are you with me, everybody? Would you, did you get something out of this today? All right, would you stand your feet? Come on, let's give the Lord a big hand clap for his word. <laughs> praise the Lord, praise the Lord. You can just close your eyes, bow your heads. Father, would you, would you do what I can't do? Pray for all these people in this room, that they would see this with the right heart. And Lord, I worry sometimes about them, if I'm honest as a pastor, that they would hear this and hear it wrong. They would hear this and do nothing about it. They would hear this, just walk in one way and go out the same way. I, I worry sometimes, Lord. And sometimes I think there's things that we, could, that we could get that could literally change our life. I think this is one of those, Lord. This is one of those areas. Help them, Lord, be honest with themselves. When they're by themselves, like this thing about money, it's, it's a big deal. It's got a hold on me. It's an issue. And there's something inside me that just wants to bow up and give this guy the Heisman and, and maybe worse. And that's wrong. And I'm asking you, Holy Spirit, to change me from the inside out on this subject, this, this subject of resources and giving.
Lord, I, I, I believe you are a giver, and I want to be a giver too. If that's you today, would you just say, everything you just said, Pastor, that, that's what I want. Would you just raise your hand if that was you? If that was you that witnessed to you, God bless you all over the room. God, speak into hearts. I pray, Lord, that you just touch every heart that's willing to acknowledge that. Just say yes to that. With every head bowed, every eye closed, maybe you're here today, and you, you can't even go there until you've received what God gave you. See, God gave first so you could give. He first loved us, not you first loved him. He gave his only son first, not you give your life for him. Maybe you haven't received the gift from the giver of all things, the best gift of all. Best gift you could get during the holidays, it's not a present under a tree. It's God's presence in your heart today. And if you're here today and you've never received Jesus into your heart, he wants to give it to you with no strings attached. The only, only thing he wants is no, not works, nothing you could do. It's just you just surrender to him. Just say, I'm not going to try to save myself anymore. I believe you did it for me. And I receive that gift. If that's you today, would you raise your hand and say, Pastor, that's me. Good night. I don't, I don't want to go out of here without receiving that gift. There's several hands up front here. Raise a good night so I see you. Yes, sir, I see your hand. Yes, sir, over there, I see your hand in the back. Thank you for that. Thank you for your courage. That's awesome. You can put your hands down. God bless you. Church, would you pray this, this short prayer? And those that raise your hand, would you mean this from your heart? Would you just say this out loud? Just say, Jesus, thank you for the gift of salvation. I receive it by grace through faith right now. Change my nature from selfish to a giver, from about me to about others, from a sinner to a sinner saved by grace. I receive it all right now in Jesus' name. And everybody said amen and amen. Can we give the Lord a big hand clap? God bless you. I'm so proud of you guys. Love you all.